Hey everyone! Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your applications in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. And welcome to Land Parties, episode 58 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my co-host and good friend, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Uh, had a pretty good weekend. Started going back into Final Fantasy VII Remake with my girlfriend. Uh, so she's going through it, so I'm having fun kind of watching her go through that ready for a nice long game and the the other thing i did this week going is i finally got a new phone so my phone from like five years ago is has finally been replaced and (laughs) my goodness when you wait that long it is ridiculous how much faster it is so i'm finally happy about that century i know i'm cheap though i'm cheap i'm one of those people that i'm like i use it till it breaks and finally i'm just like i can't anymore i just can't how was your weekend I can relate to that. It was good. Uh, I, I chilled out. We we actually got we had this like home garden uh, thing that we had gotten a while ago. So we went ahead and planted that this weekend. Um, and then I just I just did some destiny. Went did that secret mission uh, that was uh, recently re- uh, released. That was really good. Super atmospheric. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Got a solid gun from it. And then played some uh, more Spider Man. Got the uh, Sinister Six reveal. So we're grinding away. I'm, I'm moving along as far as with that. Uh, that was fantastic. Enough about us, though. Please introduce our guests. Yeah, we are excited to welcome two very special guests today. You know them from the group Latin X and Gaming. You may have seen them honored at the Game Awards in December as Global Gaming Citizens. We are excited to be joined by the founder of Latin X and Gaming, Christina Amaya, and co-founder and de- developer relations head Elaine Gomez. Thank you both to uh, for joining us today. How are you guys? Good. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. And, and I'm excited to talk about uh, to talk about the uh, Latinx and gaming and, and everything that you guys have done so far. Um, sorry, Lucas, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. 
You're fine. I was just going to say we're excited. This is an amazing group. Uh, we talked to Fernando uh, last year a little bit about the group, but we're we're super pumped to take a deep dive into it. But before we get to that, we just wanted to touch on a couple subjects. And Ryan, last Wednesday, right before the Nintendo Direct dropped, I was so excited because I was almost 100% sure that we were going to get Breath of the Wild or Pokemon or Metroid news. And <laughs> we got none of them. We struck out. We struck out. If you happen yeah, to none. be if you happen to be following <laughs> me on Twitter, you saw like like the the realization that like none of that was happening. And I don't know. Look, I'll start by saying this. There were a couple games that intrigued me. I'm actually looking forward to the the new Mario Golf game. Uh, the Project Triangle strategy yeah. game looks interesting. I love that art style, but uh, I don't know, Ryan. I was just disappointed. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, I, I felt like it was pretty underwhelming uh, as far as what we thought we were going to get versus what we actually got. Um so I mean, again, there were some there were some nice uh, uh, games that they presented and whatnot, but I just thought that, especially with it being a 35 year anniversary of Zelda, I thought we would get some some big news as far as with that. Again, they would they say they were going to port uh, port over um, Skyward Sword. Sky, yeah, and I never I never played that one, so I am excited to have the opportunity to actually go through and run that uh, Zelda. But I mean, again, it's it's been it's been a good amount of years since uh, Breath of the Wild came out. They've already we already know that Breath of the Wild two is is in the works. I thought for sure they were going to drop it like it's hot and and give us some heat there. But uh, uh, you know, we did we did not get that. So it'll be interesting. I mean, again, this could be something that maybe in the second half of the year that they look to you know drop it then as well. Uh, I, again, we know that anytime people are are rushing games, uh, they seem to to very much have a negative impact on their releases. So you know, again, you guys they they know what they're doing. Uh, they, they always have, I feel like they have a solid plan as far as marketing and getting games out and stuff like that. So I still think we'll get it this year. Uh, yes, I thought it was going to happen then, but the year's not over. It's still early, my friend. That's true. Hopefully you're right. I, I just, oh, the, the joy was getting sucked <laughs> out of me the longer that direct went on and the closer to the end that we got. <laughs> That's okay, though. That's okay. You're right. The year is young. Christina, are you a Nintendo fan at all? Did you did you catch the direct? Yes, I uh, did not get to watch the direct because it was during my meetings. Um, but I will say that as a very large Zelda fan since childhood, I straight up do not understand Skyward Sword. I'm just going to put it out there. I would have much rather Breath of the Wild 2 or just a teaser trailer, something, anything, five seconds. Give me Ocarina of Time at least or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, yeah. Skyward Sword. Yeah, you, yeah, I was like, I don't even know what that is. Is that, a, is that in the <laughs> series? What was that for? Like, uh, was that like 3DS the, or something? For or? the Wii, I think, yeah. Was it really the Wii? It was, mm -hmm. it was. Wow. And that's why it's such a big deal that they're going to have button inputs because before it was all gesture and everybody's like, no. So now it's like, yes, finally, button inputs. We can play simply. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be exciting. I didn't realize I didn't even know. It's crazy because I had a Wii and I did not know that uh, Zelda even came out for the Wii. Uh, 
Jeez, that's crazy. But yeah, that would be, I mean, that is exciting going from just using gestures and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I had a Wii and, and, you know, it, it gets a little tiring after a while. And, you know, you, you start missing that, that traditional controller feeling and just being able to run through something instead of having to do these extra steps and whatnot. It's like, I don't want to do it. Like, it's cool if you give me the option to do it. But if I don't want to do it, give me that option as well. Exactly. Yeah. I like the Joy Cons, though. I would really like yeah. to have one. Yeah. Scaplers don't get to it first. True. Those, yeah, I mean, they've been they've been flying off the uh, the shelves like hotcakes. You know what I mean? Since since they've come out, it's crazy just how wildly successful Nintendo is in in really being able to capture their audience and what they want. I mean, again, we've talked about it. Where last year for me, I, I think the game of the year for me was uh, Animal Crossing. Just the fact that it came at such a pivotal time where everybody, you know, in the entire world is going through this this crazy, you know what I mean? Something that's just completely unheard of. Uh, that we never saw coming, and then we had this bright light of of Animal Crossing, where we can go and visit our friends, and you know they put on fashion shows, and, and you know what I mean. Like I was like, I was like, this is perfect. It, it was perfect. Now, Elaine, what what did you think of the rest of the direct there? Like, are you are you a big Nintendo fan too? I am. I I wasn't. I was to be honest. I was underwhelmed by a lot of the titles that are going to be coming out, just because I'm not really as interested but i am interested in um the joy cons obviously because i i said about it. i think they're really cool um i was hoping for zelda 30 35th that we would get either ocarina of time or majora's mask or something that was limited edition because i remember um having like the n64 back in the day and the cartridges being like gold or with the the Majora's yeah. Mask cartridge having that holograph, like holographic thing on it. Uh, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna have a, like a limited edition release of some of the games, like physical copies or something special. But when I didn't see that, I was a little bit, you know, uh, disillusioned. So to be honest, to me, the rest of the direct, I was like, okay, like that's cool. Like <laughs> sure, like Splatoon three, that looks cool, I guess. But I was really hoping for more Zelda news. Yeah, I think I think we all were. Christina, are you uh, excited for Splatoon? Is that a franchise that that you're into? Um, <laughs> you know, I um, I am proud of them and their success. Uh, I think it's really cool that a game <laughs> of that nature makes it that far. But I can't lie to you, I'm such a sucker for a good animation style, and for me, it just doesn't. I sound like a Nintendo hater, but like I honestly love. <laughs> okay, just for what it's worth. So I don't hate Nintendo. Um, I just, you are talking about a, a directive that did not affect me. Right. So that's, that's all I got to say. That's kind of where I'm at as well. It was just, you know, there was nothing that really, I was like, Oh, I have to have this, you know, I was just like, all right, you know, that's cool, fun, great. I just expected more, you know, it's, you know, it just, I mean, come on. How do you, how do you not give us something juicy for Zelda? I, I mean, you know, you gave us all the Mario, Where's my love for Zelda? Come on now. <laughs> we deserve more. I thought it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a good way of describing it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, switching gears a little bit too. We also had BlizzCon go on. Um, this is another one in the in the fashion of of underwhelming. <laughs> and, and and don't get me wrong, I am not a Blizzard hater. I guess I really haven't played that many of of their games. So I can't really intelligently speak on it again. For me, my big thing is overwatch. We got, you know, we got some behind the scenes and overwatch too, but that was so 
again, give me the game. I know it's not coming out this year. Uh, again, make the game solid, but it's like you're not giving me new heroes or anything in Overwatch One. You're gonna tease to a game that's not even coming out this year. It's like I, 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 mm, I was, I was not happy with that. Uh, but we did Diablo fans. Uh, we got a, a, a trailer for uh, Diablo Two remake, which I know is super exciting for a lot of people. Uh, are you Lucas? Are you are you a fan of the series? Have you played it before? I have played the series before. Uh, I am a fan. This kind of harkens back to like my younger days and like the the first couple of Diablos and and when Starcraft was first kind of hitting the scene there. I am excited, especially for the remake of mm-hmm. Diablo Two. I think it looks beautiful, and I am excited for it. I uh, I think this is a perfect perfect chance to jump back into the series. And kind of bide the time until Diablo 4 gets released. So I'm excited. Ryan, I think you definitely should jump into this game. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'm going to gauge by the reaction that I saw Christina have here a little bit that, that you are a Blizzard fan. So what what did you think of BlizzCon? Okay, so first off, I went to BlizzCon for my very first time, not last year. Oh my God, with COVID, I don't even know what day it is. Mm-hmm. But I went back in 2019. Um, and I have literally, so before, you know, all the other kind of social games that we played, such as like League of Legends, et cetera, et cetera, I got into WoW first. Um, and I started actually playing WoW during Burning Crusade. So when they made the announcement, I like, I also took like a, don't tell work, I took a three hour break to watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my calendar just had it blocked off and they were like, oh, we can't book you. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. No, you can't. Um, but I just like ran around my like this office and just like circled around, jumped on the bed a little bit. It was like, yeah, burning crusade. So for me, <laughs> I was really happy. But I also do know that Overwatch, they literally were like, oh, sorry, no Overwatch this time, you know, at the opening ceremony, which has just got to hurt. So I, I get it. I get how you're mm-hmm. feeling, dude. I, I know the feeling, but sorry, I'm going to be happy about this one. Elaine, did you catch, are you a Blizzard fan? Do, do any of those franchises uh, interest you or right up your alley? Um, to be honest, I only play Overwatch, and I play Overwatch a lot. So the maps are cool. I, I really like the the New York map and the Rome map. Um, they look really nice. However, like with the characters, it's like cool. Like you're optimizing the 3D assets. That's cool. But I would like to see like a sneak preview of like a new a new a new champion or a hero, um, a new character to play. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll just have to wait until next year. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep getting disappointed <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> I know. It's like, it is so intriguing, too, because that's what I really want. There's so many stories to explore in Overwatch, and I feel like just that universe alone, there's a lot that you can do with that universe. And, you know, again, I want them, I, I, I want a good game. I want a good solid game because I love that game. I, no matter what, I'll always love Overwatch. Um, but it, it is disappointing just like just seeing that stuff, knowing it's not coming. And then in the current game that we're playing right now, like they don't have any plans, I don't think, to bring any new heroes in or or, or any more new maps. So it's kind of like this, we're just kind of at this stalemate right now, just waiting and and with nothing so you know again i'll 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 continue playing it but uh, it would have been nice to get a little bit of fresh content uh in what we have while we wait for this new uh new overwatch to come out but i am excited and i think too this is really cool as far as with what they're doing with these remakes is it's bringing audiences in that haven't 
had the opportunity or never played the originals. Um, now we've getting this graphic updates. I'm guessing like layouts and, and I'm not sure exactly what exactly it entails, but this definitely is intriguing for me. I think it's a good starting. Cause I think people said that, you know, don't worry about uh, uh, Diablo one start with Diablo two, or even, I mean, I think they've even said uh, I've heard them say, just go to Diablo three, but I'm very much like, I want to be able to follow a story. And if there's a story and stuff like that, uh, you know, I want to be able to completely, completely immerse myself in that. Um, so would you say that it's a good point? Like, would it be OK to just, you know, this remake comes out and I just start from there? I'd say so. I just say jump in. I just say jump in. I, I mean, you could there's there's enough resources out there that you, that you can get. Uh, as deep into the lore from from the entire series as you want to, uh, I just think it's a really good game. So I just, I just, I, I would just jump in with it. The thing about like all Blizzard products too is that like the amount of lore is like books and books and books of lore. Yep. So I feel like it doesn't matter when you enter; like you're gonna be behind at some point. So you might as well <laughs> like I played it from the start, and right now I don't know what half the lore is anymore, and I'm like embarrassed to even like mention on Twitter that I used to play because you know before <laughs> like straight up wildheads. But, you know, yeah. better now, like, enjoy it. Like, I feel like for the most part, Blizzard's communities are relatively welcoming of new members. All right. I mean, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to try it out. So that's what we have. Let's let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back, sit down with Christina and Elaine and, and get down to it. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the real fun part of the interview. So, Christina, let me start with you. Just for people who may be unfamiliar with Latinx and gaming, can you give them a, a rundown of what the group does and kind of take us through the history uh, and how you guys got started? Yeah. So Latinx and Gaming is a nonprofit that is devoted to helping um, Latinx folks find jobs in the gaming industry. From streaming to esports to literally, oh, like it's literally everything. What we are focused on, of course, is making sure that we're connecting people with the right companies, with the right resources, with mentors, um, and helping them as much as we can, of course, to be part of the industry. And also, we want to provide people with information on what it means to be Latinx, right? So there's certain people that like will not join the organization because they don't speak Spanish. For us personally, we don't mind if you don't speak Spanish. Like we're totally here to support you if you're of Latinx descent, and even to support you if you want to learn something and you're not of Latinx descent. Um, as for how we got started, uh, Elaine and I actually did a panel, it's going to be three years ago now, oh my god, uh, in 2018, yeah, with uh, Juan Vaca, with Joe Tirado, and Judith Barbosa was supposed to be there, but she couldn't make it out, and that's actually almost all of our founders that started this organization. This panel was at GDC in 2018, and we were just expecting like a couple people but so many people came out. It was it was crazy. And everybody had the same sort of feelings about this we did. They didn't, they felt alone, right? They didn't feel supported. They didn't feel like their companies were listening. And we just wanted to help out. 
I love the fact I love the fact too, you know, I mean just just how important it really is to have represent representation from uh so many different people, so many different cultures, you know, and and you guys, you know, really focus too on, you know, having and and putting that influence uh, you know, into into games, into stories. Uh what's it like from your guys's and just being able to to bring these stories and bring this stuff uh into this medium uh, from your guys' perspective? Uh, well, I guess I can jump in on that. Well, you know, we have all experienced this, right? When we, when we have entered the industry that we don't see people like us, right? So when we have the opportunity to be able to have a role at a studio or a company or amongst ourselves to make uh, projects where we can influence that cultural representation in the characters or in the story, like just by the sheer fact that we are there and can bring that to the table is a really, really big deal. Because in other spots um, around the world, right, they don't necessarily have those people on their teams. So nobody's making those calls because nobody brings it up. Nobody's interested or if it's not even interested, they just don't know, right? So that's one of the big things that we can do now is that as we're coming into the industry, as we have roles, and hopefully as we come into leadership roles, we get to make decisions for ourselves and for people like us to just do what they're passionate about and to bring in fresh and new ideas, right? Because that's the whole point. We, we don't want games to stay the same and we don't want to hear the same stories over and over again because, you know, it gets boring at that point, right? And the fun part about games is that the more games we can experience from around the world, the more we can absorb from different cultures. I always talk about the movie Parasite and the speech that the director had, um, I don't know if it was at uh, the Oscars or the Academy Awards, but he said, once we overcome that hurdle of subtitles, you'll be able to experience so much more in the film in, in the film world. And I feel like games are exactly the same way. We can overcome that barrier of not having people who are from different countries, who are diverse, who have different perspectives. When we overcome that, our, our games are just going to be that much more interesting and different than the norm. And we're really just going to be able to experience really, really cool stuff. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we're seeing that that diversity uh, come to the forefront in a lot of different mediums uh, that's been long overdue. Elaine, when you were, can you talk a little bit about your role with de developer relations? And are you seeing them be open to telling a more diverse set of stories uh, in their games, narrative-wise? Yeah, I think it's twofold. You know, as a Latinx, like a Latinx developer from overseas, your life experience is just going to be way different than an, an American Latinx person. You know, um, your country has different society, has different norms, expectations, etc. So I think that there's two avenues that developers choose to take. Either you make something that comes from your heart and that can literally be any type of game genre whatever world you want to build. And you can go the uh, representation route where you really want to tell a story that is from your country or your own lived experience. So I see developers taking both roads and both roads are valid because you want to express yourself as a creator in whatever way that you want. So with Latinx and gaming, one of the things that we were able to do last year with our Onidos uh, Hispanic Heritage Month celebration 
was a game jam where we gave them a theme of um, celebrating your, your Latinx heritage or celebrating your Latinidad. And folks from all over the United States and Latin America submitted their games. And you saw both of those avenues of very fantastical worlds that had a little bit of those cultural elements in it, or just really straight up folklore and mythology that were digitized in ways that would, would not be able to be done if it wasn't for the for games as a medium of communication and, and interactivity. So um, that's that was amazing to see, you know, and I think it was a span of three weeks. We gave them three weeks to create these short games. And it was incredible what what all of these uh, what all these small teams were able to develop and and the stories that they were able to tell. Um, it was really an inspiration to me as a game designer and also just to our community so they could see the breadth of, of the talent that we have all across the world. So I think that's what we're seeing, the, the storytelling component. Now I'm hoping, and this is what we're hoping internally, that we can provide those resources so that we can have those game devs if they want to come to the United States or be employed in Indian AAA companies in the United States or Canada or wherever it may be to help them get there. And that's some of the things that we have cooking um, for this year and, and for our long-term projects to really amplify and, and make those avenues possible for Debs outside the United States to come in and bring in those perspectives and, and their lived experience from being outside of the United States. Let me ask you, Christina, I know that the Game Awards show, uh, Latinx and Gaming, uh, was awarded with the Global Gaming Citizen, which is absolutely huge. And, and kind of like you guys are talking about, too, this is not just a, hey, here in the States. This is a worldwide thing where people are, are connecting and, you know, being able to collaborate with each other. And it's had such a, a, a positive effect uh, just in the gaming community. What does it mean uh, to you just for it to 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 where it's at and the future of Latinx and gaming? I you know, it was crazy to get that award. Um, even when we were filming for it and doing our interviews, I think none of us were like, well, we were all just so overwhelmed and happy to have everything there and uh, grateful for the nomination and grateful for the community for being a part of it. But I think when it comes to seeing ourselves in the future of Latinx and gaming and seeing where we could go next, for me, it's important that we continue to strive to tell the stories of as many Latinx folks as possible, as many devs as possible. Like Elaine was saying, you know, Things, it, it's different when we are able to introduce other folks to the table. It's different when we can empower those voices. So I would love for it, us to not only be heard here in the United States by some of those big AAA companies, but also to be heard by local governments, governments in the countries back at home. Um, I know that we are in the process of talking to some government officials for different countries about how Latinx and gaming can help get visas or help get scholarships or help get funding. So really hoping to grow more on that side and do more of a difference there. You know, game development is such a, a a daunting field, right? I think that a lot of people want to jump in, but a lot of people don't even know where to start, right? Don't not even take that first step. What what is your advice to people? Like what how how do you think people should start down that road if this is something that they want to pursue? From the game development perspective, I would say that find like I feel like there's this misconception with game development that it's all about just programming. Um, and there's so many roles in the pipeline of game development that anybody could be a part of. So we have production and project management. We have the programmers, but we have designers and artists. We have marketing folks and business and legal. There's so many different fields that all come together to 
put out a game. Um, and I would say, try to figure out what is it that you're passionate about? Do you like art? Do you, do you, I like the idea of being like a, le- uh, a lawyer for a game company to help them with their rights and their patents or whatever it may be there or even music. Like, do you want to compose music or make sounds for sound effects? There's so many different things that you can do. So I would say try to figure out what you're passionate about and then research. It's all about the Internet's free. Um, so let's use that as a resource to figure out you know, what are the types of things, if I'm into music or into art, what are the types of things that I can do? Where are the hubs? Like, would I have to move out of my country or out of my state to really find an opportunity? Is there a school that I can go to or is are there online courses or tutorials on YouTube that I can, that I can consume so that I can learn about the craft? Because at the end of the day, uh, we all need to learn in order to actually get those jobs. Um, so that's, that's what I would suggest. And Christina can talk about like all the stuff that's not necessarily game dev. I also was in game dev too, for what it's worth. I did launch a game back in 2016, even though it was not successful. So what I will say (laughs) is, (laughs) don't let them see this. (laughs) 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 What I I will say is a lot of people come to to myself, to Elaine, to other people in our org and are like, I want to be in gaming. And we're like, great. What do you want to do? Yeah. And they never know, right? And and they're not ready. They're not ready for the questions we have to ask, which is send us your resume, your portfolio, your link, your this, your that. I mean, being in games in general takes a lot of prep, right? And if you want to be in gaming, I'm totally supportive of it, but you need to come to the table with a lot of stuff done on your end because expecting anybody else to do the lift for you won't be fair and it won't help establish a good relationship. So I recommend... Uh, kind of similar to what Elaine was saying, is if you're passionate about something, do your research. There are a ton of free talks, not just by Latinx devs, but like literally everywhere. There's something going on almost every week or weekend where somebody who is an expert in their field is talking about that field. And if you just want to sit in and listen for 30, you can be like, ah, not for me, or ah, I don't know, maybe. And also like keep in mind, there are a lot of positions that come available that are either part-time or you know, on the side volunteering positions that let you get your feet wet without not necessarily committing yourself to a full you know, 40 hour work week on something that you might not even like later on. So definitely recommend researching just like Elaine said. Yeah, and it's like it and anything else, you know, when you are preparing yourself to go into college or university, like you do research on what university you wanna to apply to and what programs they, they have when you actually enroll and are in the university and perhaps you're undeclared, so you don't know what you want to be, you still do your research to see, okay, what should I major in? What are potential jobs that I can get after I graduate? It's it's the exact same thing for games. It's just being prepared and making the decisions that will help you succeed. And not everybody's journey is the same. Like my journey was very academically oriented. I got a bachelor's, I got a master's, I taught, and then I, I ended up becoming a, a game designer at the studio that I'm at. For other people, they started off just making their own games by themselves. They didn't go to school. They had a successful project and they got picked up by a company. So it really is different for everybody. And I would say also don't compare yourself to other people's success because that's never going to work. What happened with me is not going to happen with what happened with Christina or what happened with Fernando or any of our co-founders or community members. We all have different experiences and journeys. So it's just a matter of tapping into 
your potential, your interests, and talking to people, asking questions. Definitely, that's a big one. Like the internet, again, is, is very helpful. And I would say that the industry lives a lot on Twitter. Um, so you could literally find designers, programmers, anybody in the industry on Twitter and send them a DM or just start, uh, you know, uh, respond to their threads. And people are usually very rece receptive to people asking questions. And you, you may be able to find a lot of help in the community in that way as well. Let me so let me ask you guys then was was video games or something within the industry always in the cards for you guys or is it something that just kind of developed that was you know as it was being because again well uh, you know a lot of us too have have kind of grown up as video games and the industry has grown up and I feel like now you know there's a lot more focus and there's a lot more of a spotlight in the industry as a whole. And people are starting to see, whoa, there are a ton of things that you can do. And this is super obtainable. We have the tools at a consumer level. You know, you just need to have the drive uh, and, and and the resources are out there. It's, it's crazy for me. So um, I went to school for political science. So I actually have mm. three degrees. Uh, and you can tell that my parents were just watching this journey and like really terrified. I have a degree in political <laughs> science and international relations. I have a degree in uh, languages, romance languages, including Spanish and French. And I have a degree in baking and pastry making because why not, wow. you know? Um, and so <laughs> my parents just did, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I did not want to be in politics. I did an internship back in Tallahassee, Florida for um, somebody that I did not like at all. Um, and I just felt like completely demoralized. And I played games every day. I had my own guilds that I was in charge of. I ran social clubs that like Riot Games was noticing me back when I was like in college still and were asking me like, mm. hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I had relationships in the gaming industry and not once was I like, I should work in it because it just did not one, mm. seem like an attainable path for me because I hadn't studied it. And two, I'm a Latinx woman. Like my parents expected me to either be a doctor or marry a doctor. You know, it was like, one of those two options and nothing else. So when I went to PAX, when I was like 20, 21 years old, actually I was 20 because I couldn't go to the bars and drink afterwards, which is very sad. But when I went to PAX, <laughs> I had a game dev tell me, he was like, why don't you just work in gaming? It's clear that you love it. And it like hit me right then and there as if like I couldn't have come to that conclusion on my own. But I was like, oh my God, I should work in gaming. And I feel like for our generation, especially, we all had to come to a similar like, wait, I could actually do this as like a job kind of conclusion. And I think the younger audiences mm -hmm. are seeing that it is so much more available to them. It's so much more accessible, which I really love. Yeah, for me, it was uh, like very much like Christina. There's this cultural like stigma when it comes to pursuing a career and being a professional that gaming just, just doesn't fall under. Um, for me, my parents were either, you're going to be an engineer, a lawyer, or a doctor. And out of all of them, I was like, okay, I'm going to go pre-med. So I was doing all my general requirements in college for pre-med with a biomedical engineering track because I was like, if in case I don't want to go to med school, I can just be an engineer and still have a, a good job. And <clears throat> I hated it. Um, I hated every single course and because I hated it so much, I didn't absorb the material and I would flunk. I would, I flunked out of like, and it wasn't like I'm stupid. Like I, I thought I was stupid at one point. I was like, I, I graduated with honors from high school. I was in the top, like 20% of my class. Like I, I know I'm smart. Why am I failing these classes? And I felt so discouraged, but I ended up making the decision of talking to my Dean and I was like, what can I do to graduate on time that doesn't involve engineering or medicine? Because this is obviously not for me. 
So she recommended one of the easier, quote unquote, majors in, in my university for information technology, which was the shortest, shortest major track. So I was able to complete it, my, my major within a short amount of time and not be like a super senior that takes like six or seven years to complete, which is something that I just could not do. Like I couldn't afford it to stay in school for that long. So um, that's what I did. And through that process, I had a mentor. My, one of my professors um, was great. And he really took me under his wing and helped me apply to, to some research institutes that allowed me to figure out that, you know what, game design may be something that I may be really good at and something that I could potentially see myself as pursuing as a career. Um, my parents were not happy about that. They're like, gaming is a, is a hobby. Gaming is entertainment. That's not really a career. And they didn't, it didn't click for them until I graduated with a master's in like interactive media and games from a top school. They were like, mm -hmm. oh, like this is going to be a real thing and you're going to have, a, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll make enough money to get by and not ask you for help. Like I promise. <laughs> Girl, oh my <laughs> you God. You know what I mean? <laughs> Same, dude. It took me being on the Google campus for my parents to be like, oh, this is a real career. <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it just took them so long. And it's not that my parents didn't believe in me or that they didn't trust me. It was more like they didn't understand that there's new fields coming out, new jobs, and they can you can have as much success as something from like back in like 30 years ago. My parents were in like the big tech boom in the 80s when like the computers were the, the thing. So they were able to ride that wave because it was like a brand new field. For us, like games is a brand new field and we're constantly innovating and we're riding that wave. You know, I, I'm interested, when when did it start to, to be planted in your minds that you wanted to help the Latinx experience be represented was it just when that panel happened were, were you talking about that beforehand was were there plans kind of preliminary plans prior to uh gdc you know i had always been meeting up with latinx folks i think i found elaine through twitter but i had always gone to con and i would meet somebody and be like oh we're both latino this is awesome this is amazing and oh we wouldn't do anything with it right and i had a, a history of starting organizations that um would be built around community, right? So I started New York City League of Legends, which ended up being like 10,000 people. I started DC Law, which ended up being 5,000 people. I, I just liked bringing people together for some sort of cause, but I had never done it for my own identity, which to me was such a huge part of who I was, right? Being Latinx is like something I lived and breathed. So I, after the panel, we all sat down and talked and we were like, this is, this is great. And I knew I had a record of doing this, right? Not just myself, but Judy and I had built together NYC Law and she still runs it to this day as she still lives in New York City. So I was like, we are capable, right? There is nothing to this. But then, <laughs> then we went down the non-for-profit route and then we went down like a lot of other routes and all of us are so new to running a non-for-profit that we're just trying to learn this together. <laughs> but it's great, it's crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that with Christina, Christina really took the initiative of trying to find people that were just as passionate about their heritage and just as willing to start something. Because what we all saw was the need, like there was a need for a community because there really wasn't one. So should we bite the bullet and do it ourselves? And that takes a lot 
of somebody because all of us do this outside of our normal jobs. We don't get paid for this. We literally do it out of love for our community and and our the respect that we have for our cultures, for our families. Um, so really bringing people together from all different walks of life because the, the Latinx identity is not monolithic. Like we have Afro-Latinx people in our group. We have indigenous Latinx people. We have Asian Latinx people. There's all different types of people in our group and we have to build a safe space uh, where they can feel celebrated all at once. And how do you do that? That's really, really difficult. So we are trying our best to navigate really tough conversations like, do you feel enough, even though you don't speak Spanish, like Christina mentioned before, even though you're not in the game space, like, do you feel like you have what you need to get the ball rolling? And if you don't, let's get you there. So those are like really tough conversations that people, what we have had with people and we have had to, to bring to the table as well of people calling other people out for not speaking Spanish. We literally had that at the GDC roundtable where a woman uh, from South America was like, why are you guys so ashamed of not of speaking Spanish? Why don't you all just speak Spanish all the time? And we're like, wait, hold on. Like there's people here who were born and raised in the United States and their parents did for whatever reasons may be, did not teach them Spanish. So let's not disrespect each other. Let's build each other instead. Um, and if somebody doesn't know Spanish, let's teach them. Like, here are a few words. Let's get do get-togethers. We could watch things in Spanish. I don't know. So there's really, really difficult conversations that we have had. Um, and we have had to mitigate some of, of people feeling, you know, not necessarily attacked, but feeling a little bit cornered sometimes. And and all of that comes again in the sake of it's we, we love our people. We want everybody to to have a space because we saw back in the day that we didn't have a space and we wouldn't want the next generation to feel those things or go through those things. So if we can help them avoid it, if we can help them like jump a hurdle that we had to 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 kind of like carry ourselves, then the better it is for all of us because we're really just working together and running the same race towards the same goals, which is to just elevate our community and see more Latinx people in the games industry. For 2021, uh, do you guys have anything planned for uh, Latinx and gaming or any kind of events or anything like that? What can we expect? So I'll talk through the events and then I know Elaine's got a cool thing to talk to, but uh, we have Unidos Online coming again in uh, October. It's going to be the same big event. It's going to be the same energy. Uh, Hopefully we'll get another awesome music act to end it with. Last time we had a mariachi band, which was incredible. Um, And then for June, we're going to be doing Conexión, which is basically a resume review, polish yourself kind of event, making sure that like we're giving people the space to kind of like go over their LinkedIn profiles, meet with a mentor, et cetera. So we're really focusing on building the Latinx folks who are interested in it, uh, building up their kind of skill set. We really want to empower all the younger professionals that are in our org to do more with what we have and to have access to some of the older professionals that also exist within Latinx and gaming uh, and get a little bit of advice from them and learn a little bit more, et cetera. So that's what we have on the events end. But Elaine has a really cool piece uh, as well. 
So one of the things that we uh, have been talking about in the past year or so are ways in which we can be more proactive in a, uh, bringing resource to our community. And we thought up of this idea of having a, a grant initiative where we can go to our community and ask them what their needs are, whether that may be hardware or software licenses, financial help to develop games or projects, or even uh, help with professional development. So courses online or certifications, trainings, et cetera. So we would really like to help in that way in this year. Um, and that's why we, we will be launching our, our grant initiative for the first time soon in this year so that we could really help where help is needed and we can just elevate and, and, and help people level up and whatever it is that they would like to do. You know, look, looking a little longer term here, if, if we're sitting and talking, say, two, three years down the road, what are the biggest obstacles that you think you're facing and what do you hope will have changed, say, three years down the road? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Scalability, I think, is our biggest problem because there's six of us, well, and a couple of volunteers that help us. Um, and none of us, we're all literally like game industry folks that just came together and decided to put together what we felt was a social piece. But it's clear, right, that there's more to it than that. There needs to be grants. There needs to be scholarships. There needs to be direct connections with the government. There needs to be companies that can help us. And none of us, as cool as all of us are, are experienced in like half of those things. So we are learning <laughs> and we also need help because as Elaine said, we all have full-time jobs. We are doing this part-time Sometimes in between our full-time job, I mean, look at what time it is. <laughs> um, and we are trying our best, right? And we want to do the best for our company. And we want to make sure that we're making Latinx and Gaming Girl, but we definitely need help. So. <laughs> and money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. Um, like, especially now as a nonprofit, it's really, really hard to navigate um, some conversations sometimes when people ask you, well, if I invest in you, what am I going to get in return? And sometimes it's so tough to navigate those conversations because we're like, well, what you get in return is helping our community. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, we understand that like whatever company that wants to get involved, they have their 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 policies and regulations and, and things that they have to keep in mind when they extend financial aid to, to other folks. So um, we're navigating that and, and learning a lot from that. And we're so lucky to have members in our board of directors that are knowledgeable of all those things that can help us start those really tough conversations where we may feel intimidated because we don't know how to ask for money <laughs> and like not feel like we are like underselling ourselves because usually that's what happens too we're like put in the bare minimum it's just like oh we need like x amount of money just to get by and we'll be okay with that but um uh, some of our board of directors are like, no, you guys need to be asking for tons and tons of money. Like you, we can get you that money. And it's just a matter of, of navigating all of that and learning so that we can get as much financial help as we can, because it's not for any of us. It's literally goes straight back to the community. So we would love to have all the financial resource available so that we can help everybody just uh, achieve those goals and, 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 and achievements that they have set for themselves and, and their lives. And where can we find you guys on the socials, on the interwebs? Um, Latinx and Gaming uh, is available at latinxandgaming.com. Our Discord is discord.gg slash Latinx and at Latinos in Gaming. And if you're looking for me, 
I only tweet about food, but uh, it is at Silkris88. <laughs> and um, my personal is Tulatastic on Twitter. Um, and pretty much all game dev, game design stuff, um, and retweeting whatever events we have going on for Latinx and gaming and other DNI orgs, because we definitely believe in collaboration and partnership with all the folks that are doing great work for marginalized people in the industry. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us again and, and just kind of sharing and, and talking more on the, the Latinx and gaming uh, just experience and, and everything that you guys are doing. So uh, it's fantastic. Again, I know that, that you know, just having that representation, not only that, but then supporting uh, these younger people that are coming up in this industry now is, is definitely needed. So make sure, you know, go check out the donation link, uh, go check out the website, all that stuff. Thank you guys guys so much for taking the time and being on the show we really appreciate it thank you for having us we appreciate it absolutely lucas uh before we take off what do you have going on this weekend my friend uh lots of final fantasy 7 i feel like that's gonna take up a lot of weekends uh hopefully hopefully we (laughs) hey we might not finish until part two comes out whenever that's gonna hit stores like years from now so that that's pretty much it what about yourself rain you know what? I'm going to be on that Spider-Man. So I'm going to really try to, to, to finish that off and, and grind that out. So that's most likely what I will be on. And then we'll see if we uh, get into some Metal Gear uh, eventually. And I got Halo too. I've got too many games. It's ridiculous. Uh, regardless, though, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Land Parties. We appreciate it. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you already know what it is. We love your faces. Let's, 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 let's,